All right, all right. How you guys doing? <laughs> Man, some great worship, good stuff. And uh, we're going to continue that. Man, we're glad you guys are here. And uh, it's already been a good night. And so we are jumping into a new series. And, uh, and we're going to jump right in tonight. So here's what I want to do as we get started. I want you to kind of picture this with me, all right? So a couple years ago, uh, our son, Jad, we, uh, we dropped him off downstairs on a Sunday morning, and he's hanging out in KidQuest Junior, all right? And, uh, and man, he's loving life. He's got a lot of stuff going on. He's, you know, he's got the toys and the games he's playing with. Uh, you know, there's, there's food to eat. There's Bible story they're doing. You know, there's music that he's able to dance to. I mean, it's just a, it's a good time. And, uh, and in the midst of, of his fun, there's something that catches his attention. And he looks across the room and he sees this, uh, something red on the wall. And so at, the, at this point, his curiosity is there, right? He's, he's a little bit curious about what, what this thing might be. And so he kind of wanders over from uh, where he's having fun and over to this thing and he, so he can get a, a better look. And he climbs up on a sofa so that he's right there at eye level with this thing that's caught his attention. Now, meanwhile, downstairs, Pastor Brian is, is given, you know, it's the pinnacle of the, the service. I mean, we're getting ready to take communion. And, uh, man, the Holy Spirit is moving. There's, um, I mean, just a, a really great thing going on. And, um, you know, we're about to take communion. It's about to be confession of sin. You know, we're about to celebrate the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus through one of the most sacred practices in the church. So there's, these two things are going on simultaneously. So Jad's curiosity is, you know, has reached its max. And he's sitting there going, man, what is this thing that I'm staring at? I wonder what this is. And finally, he, the, the curiosity is too much for him. And he reaches out and he touches this red thing on the wall. And not only does he touch it, but he grabs it and starts pulling at it. Now, Jad can't read, and so what he doesn't know is that this thing says fire alarm across the front of it. And within minutes, an entire church building of several thousand people is completely evacuated. And what was a great, incredible service downstairs and this great moment where people are getting ready to celebrate communion now is an empty worship center because some kid pulled the fire alarm. And just a few moments after that, Angie and I would be horrified to learn that it was our kid that was the culprit. Man, it is, it is a funny thing, this word, curiosity. Curiosity is something that all of us possess. It lives inside all of us. And for some of us, it can be subtle. For some of us, it can be strong. And it often causes us to want to know more about the things that are unknown. Now, what are some of the things that we might be curious about? Uh, maybe it, when you're thinking about your level of curiosity, maybe yours is a little bit more playful and innocent and that kind of thing. And you think of curiosity, you think of Curious George. Curious George goes to the aquarium, or Curious George rides a bike, or Curious George does something else stupid, all right? And it's more playful, it's innocent, it's, you know, it's just kind of like childlike 
innocence and curiosity. Maybe some of us are like uh, the kid in this next picture who... Um, <laughs> we're, we're, that, we're that person that our curiosity leads us to do things that other people are taking pictures of and it causes, causes others to look at us a little bit strange. And, uh, and in this picture, I'm not sure if it's more strange the fact that he's looking at that or the fact that there are statues like that to look at. I have no idea where that is or what in the world that's supposed to be. You guys, have, a lot of you have heard the saying, curiosity killed the cat. Um, in all honesty, I would like to be the one that kills the cat in most cases. And in this picture, the snake is about to kill that cat. But that's the saying. A cat's curiosity leads to moments like that. Maybe sometimes we get curious about the things in our culture, stuff that's going on, things we, you know, read on, we see on TV or we, you know, read about on the internet or whatever. Uh, maybe there's those celebrities that we follow. Maybe our curiosity is centered around stuff like, what crazy thing is Miley Cyrus going to do next? Like, what could she possibly do now other than what she's already done? So maybe we're curious about that kind of stuff. I think all of us are curious about different aspects to our life. What, what does our future hold? Man, who, who, what guy or girl am I going to marry one day? What does my future spouse look like? What are they doing right now in this moment? Uh, what is the rest of our life going to look like? Or, or maybe if we're a little bit more morbid, we think about how we're going to die and our, how our life's going to end. And it's less about nice pictures and more about the morbid kind of stuff. But there's, there's different degrees. I mean, the, the, the point of all of those pictures is all of us have things that we're curious about. And we're curious about a lot of different things. And our curiosity often leads us to make decisions. Now, a lot of times that's not a big deal. A lot of times that's, that's fine. In fact, a lot of times that's even good. I mean, our curiosity leads us to discover new things or... Um, or find out a little bit more, and it, it improves or betters our life because of it. But there are some times where our curiosity can get us into trouble, like pulling a fire alarm and clearing out an entire church. Now, here's the, de- here's the uh, definition of the word curiosity. It means a desire to know or to learn about something that arouses interest or seems extraordinary or fascinating. All right, so that's what curiosity means. Now, some of you guys may be wondering, so what's, what's the deal with the series title? Why do we call this thing sexiosity? Is that even a word? And, um, and now it is, if it wasn't already. So by the time we're done with this thing, it will be a word. But here's, here's why we've titled it this. Because that definition of curiosity fits in pretty well when it comes to sex. We have, a, we have a desire to know a lot about sex. It arouses our interest. It's pretty fascinating to us. Am I right? <laughs> you guys are so shy tonight. What's going on? You guys are all nervous. So if that's true of us, then we have what we're calling sexiosity, a curiosity about sex. All right? Now... 
here's, here's the deal with this thing, all right? Just to, let's let the cat out of the bag. We're going to talk about sex during this series, all right? If, if for some reason you don't know what sex is, uh, I'm going to ask you to go home to mom and dad tonight, talk to them, let them explain it to you. I'm sure they can do that really, really well. Um, we, are, we are starting this, hold on, shh. We are starting this series with the basis that everybody understands what sex is, all right? You guys are high schoolers. You're not stupid. So that's kind of where we're started. Now, I do want to make sure that you guys understand, all right? I'm not, over the next couple weeks, I'm not going to tell some weird stories, you know, uh, about Angie and I or, you know. (laughs) Listen, we're not, we're not going to throw, you know, do diagrams. We're not going to. You know, throw pictures of STDs or some weird stuff, all right? This isn't, this isn't health class. This isn't any of that kind of stuff, all right? But listen to me. I want you guys, if you're feeling a little bit uneasy or awkward right now, just relax. Just chill out a little bit. It's all good. We're not going to bite you. So we, this, this is a series about sex, but it's more than that. All right, listen to me. It's more than that. It's about looking at why we're led to do the things we're do, that we do, how we view sex, and why that's such an important thing. Now, a couple months ago, I, was, um, I came across an article on the internet that talked about how curiosity is the driving force behind teenagers and, and their sexuality. All right, that that, that causes, because... There's such curiosity about sex and relationships and all that kind of stuff that that is the driving force behind a lot of the decisions that are made, um, your questions that are being asked. And that's, that's not a bad thing. All right? We're not starting this series off with the basis of this is all bad. All right? So I want us to get that out of our mind, make sure that that's not the case. It is natural for all of us to have this so-called, what we're calling sexiosity. But we also have to understand that sexiosity can cause some serious issues. In fact, there are several studies that have talked about and shown that that the curiosity of sex or sexiosity is one of the leading factors to teenage and premarital sex. And there are, it's happening earlier and earlier, all right? Fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. That studies are showing that this curiosity that's out there is causing a lot more decisions to be made earlier and earlier in, in a, a child or a teenager's development. Now, listen, this isn't, when we're talking about this, this isn't just Curious George being curious at the aquarium, all right? If, if we're not careful, this, is, this turns into being curious at the aquarium and jumping into the tank with sharks, all right? That's what this potentially can lead to if we don't really get an understanding and an idea of what we're supposed to be watching for, what kind of questions we're supposed to be asking, and who we're supposed to be asking them to. Now, the truth is, and I I know as many of you guys, you might deny this or whatever, teenagers don't know everything that there is to know about sex and relationships. All right, now I'm... I don't mean that in a a mean way or a hurtful way, like, you know, your children or any of that kind of stuff. 
But the truth is that a lot of us don't know and understand everything that there is to know about sex and relationships. I mean, there are studies that show the part of our brain that controls our reasoning and, um, and even our, um, our impulses don't fully develop until the age of 25. So when you mix sexiosity or a curiosity about sex and the inability to completely fully reason and to control the impulses, that makes a dangerous combination. There are so many things that we have questions about when it comes to sex and relationships. See, we don't know everything that there is to know, but we're curious about almost everything. And we have a lot of questions about this whole entire topic and this subject. We want to know what sex feels like. We want to know if we'll get things like STDs or if we'll get pregnant. We want to know if sex will make us happier in a relationship with that guy or that girl. We want to know if people are going to talk about us at school if we decide to hook up with this person. We have questions about how we're supposed to behave in a relationship and what we're supposed to do or not do. I mean, there's so many questions that we have, so many things that are unclear that we want to know more about and understand more. And when we're curious, we want more information, we want more knowledge, we want more answers. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. The real question or the real issue lies is in this. When we're curious, who do we go to for the answers? Now, some of you guys, or maybe most of you, don't talk to your parents about this issue. All right, maybe there's a lot of you. Maybe there's some of you that that do, which is great. Maybe there's a lot of you that say, man, I'd rather stab myself in the face with a fork than talk to my mom and dad about sex. All right, and you think about this whole thing, and it, it's awkward, and it's weird, and, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and it can be a very, very good thing for you to sit down with mom and dad and talk about this issue. If you're getting godly wisdom, it can be a good thing. All right? Believe it or not, your mom and your dad have had sex before. With each other, too. Yeah. I know, it's crazy. But we store that away as like, you know, things that never happened, you know? <laughs> things that never happened. It's like mom and dad never had sex. Kesha never made music. You know, there's all these kind of things that we do. So there can be a lot of, of good of, of sitting down and talking with mom and dad. Now listen, but it's awkward, right? It's weird. I mean, I remember, you know, those, the awkwardness when I was younger with my dad and it was like he didn't want to talk about it and I didn't want to talk about it and, and it basically came down to he walked in my room one day nervously and handed me a book and said just read this if you have questions just ask me and then he like ran out of the room <laughs> and did I have questions? Heck yeah I had questions but it was just if, it was weird going to him it was weird for both of us so some of us or a lot of us choose not to go to mom and dad with those questions. But we go to somebody for the answers that we seek. Some of us find the answers to the, to the questions that we have through things like porn. And our curiosity leads us there and we discover a whole lot of answers. But they're way off base and they're not anything 
that, um, that are good answers that we're receiving. But we, we go there for the answers to our questions. Maybe some, some of us find the answers through our friends and through their opinions or their experiences or things that they've read about. And sometimes that can be good and sometimes that can be a bad thing. Some of us choose to find some of our answers or even most or all of our answers through our culture. And so it might be what Hollywood says or it may, may be a song that we like to hear or, or the, the message that it's communicating. Or there might be you know, different organizations that are communicating th- certain things and there is a loud and clear message that is being communicated through our culture. And, uh, and it's a message that is very similar to, to this, uh, this quote that I came across on Planned Parenthood's uh, Tumblr page. Here's what they said. It says, since the number of sexual partners that you've had doesn't say anything about your character, your morals, or your personality, or about anything at all, really, there's nothing bad or unhealthy about having a big number of sexual partners. And that is pretty consistent with the message or the answers that we're going to receive to our questions if we seek those answers from our culture. Hey, it's not a big deal. Hey, the more sex you can have, the more educated you're going to be. And so, you know, have a lot of it. Have it with as many people as you can. And, that, and those are the answers that we're receiving from our culture. Now, understand this, and I want to be very clear. When we look to those places for the answers to our questions, it can be very, very dangerous. So when we choose to get our answers from things like pornography, it can often lead to addictions to pornography. If we choose to get our answers from others at school or organizations like Planned Parenthood, it can often lead to a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of confusion. See, no one wakes up one day and decides to become addicted to porn. No girl wakes up one day and decides that she's going to get pregnant from a guy that she just met. See, but when we, when we choose to find the answers to our questions from unworthy sources, those are the things that can potentially happen. And the biggest danger of why this is such a big deal, what we're talking about, is that if we choose to receive the answers to our questions from those sources, it ultimately leads us far from the path that God intended us. When you and I choose to do that, here's the deal. Every single day, we can choose to allow our sexiosity to be guided by opinions or to be guided by truth. We can choose to allow it to be guided by opinions what people think, what people say, what their own experiences are, or we can choose to be guided by truth. Now, in the next few minutes, I want to spend and give, give three reasons of why, how we can allow our sexiosity to be guided by truth. If we're to allow us to be guided down the path that God intends for us and to, to be able to make sure that we we experience this whole thing and get the answers to our questions based on truth and not opinions or not lies or not deceit, here's what we've got to do. The first thing is that we've got to understand that God created it. We have to understand that God created it. Relationships were created by God. Sex in relationships was created by God and a desire for sex in relationships was created by God. 
All right, those aren't bad things. You know, I think sometimes the church and, and that kind of thing is like, hey, stay away. It's bad, it's bad, it's bad. You should avoid it at all costs. And what we've got to understand is that God created it. In Genesis chapter 2, we read how God created Adam. And then he said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So God created us to be in relationships. God made Adam and Eve. God created us to be in relationship with each other. And then God gives the instruction to be fruitful, fruitful, and multiply. I.e., have lots of sex. All right? Be fruitful and multiply. God gave us the command to do that, to be fruitful and multiply, to enjoy that. God created that for us. God has created us with the desire to be in a relationship and has created sex to be a beautiful thing for us to enjoy within that relationship. And he's also given us the desire for sex in that relationship. So we shouldn't be scared. We shouldn't feel bad about it or guilty when we have those desires or those kind of things. God has given that to us. But here's where I think so many of us get led astray. Because God is the one that created it. He is also clear about how those desires should be used. Because God is the one that gave it to us and God is the one that created it for us and gave us the desire for it then God should be the source that we go to for the answers to the questions of how best to enjoy it and to use it. And what God is very clear about is God's desire is for us to celebrate it and for us to enjoy it, but to do it within the confines of a marriage covenant. Now, this is where what God says and what the culture says is in such stark contrast. And some of us look and go, you know what, look, I've got these desires and I want this now and I'm not getting married until I'm 25 or I don't even know if I'm going to get married. So why am I going to hold off for that thing that God has kind of held out there and said this is when I'm supposed to do it, when I can enjoy it and do it now? And, that's, and when the culture is backing that up and saying, hey, have as much as you want with as many people as you want, it's not a big deal. That's where I think so many of us get frustrated and get led astray. But at the end of the day, if we're to be guided by truth, if we want to be guided by truth, if we want to experience all that sex can be and was created to be, then we've got to be committed to doing it God's way. We have to ask ourselves the question, do I want to seek out immediate gratification? Or am I willing to do it the way that God wants? Because that is the way that I can experience it, the way that God has intended for me to experience it. So the first thing we've got to understand is that God created it for us. The second thing is that we discover fullness from Jesus alone. If we are going to, in fact, be guided by truth, we have to discover fullness from Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, check this out. In John chapter 10, Jesus is hanging out with, with the crowd, and he, he, make, he starts making this analogy. And he says, hey, look, I'm the shepherd, and you guys are sheep, and you're basically stupid, um, but you're sheep, no offense, but I'm the shepherd. And 
I love you and I created you. And as the, the shepherd, I've got you in this, in this area. I've got you in this fence, in this pen. And there are all these other influences. There's these bad things that are trying to jump in. And they're trying to grab you and steal you and take you away. And he paints this picture for us. And I love this picture of God basically saying, look, I've got you. Look, I created you. I love you. And I'm, I'm in control and I'm in charge and I'm here to protect you and to guide you. And there might be these other influences that come in and try to steer you, steal you away and that kind of thing. But I'm the one that created you. I know what's best for you and I love you and I've created you. And then in John 10 verse 10, he says this. He says, a thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come to give life, life in all its fullness. Now, Jesus makes an incredible promise there. He says, hey, look, these other influences, these other people, I mean, the the thief, the enemy is coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It might appear and seem like he's coming to, you know, to lead you to a better life or whatever. But this is the intent of the enemy is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But what I promise you is that I came to give you life, and not just life, but life in all of its fullness. Now, let me ask you a question. If it's true that Jesus came to give us life in all its fullness, doesn't that have to include sex? I mean, all is everything. Like, there's nothing that's been left out. And so if Jesus is making the promise to us that he has come to give us life in all of its fullness, then it has to include sex too. I mean, why is it that so many of us believe that Jesus came to bring us life or happiness or joy in other areas except for sex? Why do we think that Jesus had some good things to say in other areas, but then we allow the world to determine our fullness in the area of sex? I mean, the fullness that the world offers us pales in comparison to the fullness that Jesus is offering. And Jesus makes the promise that, hey, if you will allow me to lead you and guide you. I will lead you into all fullness. I will satisfy you. I will give you a rich and satisfying life. You will not have any, be left out of anything. And some of us feel like, man, if I do it God's way, I'm left out of something that I could be enjoying, that all of my friends are enjoying, or that the culture is enjoying. And I feel like I'm left out. And Jesus is saying, look, if you will do it my way, if you will follow me, I will lead you to life in all of its fullness. You will not be lacking anything. In fact, if you don't remember a single thing that I said tonight, remember this. Sexiosity becomes dangerous when it leads us away from the fullness that only Jesus offers. It only becomes dangerous when we allow it to lead us away from the life that only Jesus can offer us, the fullness that he offers. So we have to understand that God created it. We have to discover fullness from Jesus alone. And here's the last thing. We've got to be ready to run if necessary. 
Now, this might seem a little bit weird. Like, you know, how does that fit in with being guided by truth? You know, what, what does it mean to be, to, to run if necessary? There will be, I will promise you, there will be moments and situations, and many of you guys have already been in them, where our curiosity about sex, our sexiosity, can lead to damaging consequences. Now, it is, it's so important that we try to be as wise as we possibly can, and we avoid those situations and those moments. And we try to think ahead about, man, if I get put in this situation, if I allow myself to get put here, what potentially could happen? But sometimes they come unexpectedly, and when they do, we have to be prepared to run. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18-20. He says, run from sexual sin, or run from sexual temptation. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And I love in these verses that Paul goes to the gospel. I mean, Paul highlights the gospel and he says, Look, you have been bought with a price. Jesus gave up his life for you. Jesus freed you from sin and he put his spirit inside of you as we talked about in our Revolution Within series. And so much has changed. God has transformed your life. Jesus is radically transforming you. He has freed you from that life. And since God has done all of that stuff, you need to be prepared to run away from those temptations that can pull you back into that life. It's not that we should be scared of sex or that kind of thing, but we need to be wise enough to know that it is dangerous and it can lead us off or back into the life that Jesus freed us from. And so Paul says, look, don't walk away from it. You don't kind of casually avoid it. You've got to be willing and ready to run away from it. Because if you don't, then it can drag you right back into the life that Jesus gave up his life to free you from. When, uh, when I was in high school, uh, summer... Uh, one summer we had these, um, these foreign exchange students, about a couple dozen of them from, from France. And they came and, uh, and stayed for the summer in, um, in our area. And so um, we had, right after they, they had all gotten here, we had like a, a pool party, kind of a barbecue thing for all of them and the families that they were staying with. And so I'm hanging out and, um, and I met this, this girl and her name was, <laughs> was Ojo. It sounds like you're, you know, hacking up something. I, cu- I couldn't pronounce it then. I can't pronounce it now. But, um, but her name was Ojo or something like that. And um, she didn't speak much English, but it didn't really matter because she was hot. And, um, and I'm hanging out at the pool thing, and, and I see her, in, you know, across the pool in a bikini, and all of a sudden I can't remember my name, and, you know, it, you know I'm awfully confused. And, um, and so, you know, ended up meeting, and over the next you know, that summer, whatever, we hung out and, you know, went on several dates and that kind of thing and just had, had fun. And, um, 
And the night before all of them were getting ready to leave, we, um, you know, a bunch of us were hanging out at, at my house. And, um, and we were hanging out upstairs, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, everybody kind of uh, left and went downstairs, and it was just me and her upstairs by herself. And, um, and so we're talking about things and, you know, you, you know, the fun that we had over the last few weeks and, and, uh, and even about faith. I know you, you think I'm making that up, but it was. And, um, and all of a sudden, you know, we, we got done with the conversation after several minutes. And she gets up and she walks over to the door and she shuts it and then she locks the door. And then she walks, she walks back over and she sits next to me on the bed. And... Um, and I'll just say this. I don't know what language she was speaking, but it wasn't French or English. And, uh, and I remember in that moment realizing that she's ready to do anything that I want to do. And the, the voice of sexiosity was, was loud and clear. But there also was another voice that was very loud and very clear. And the voice was screaming, run. (laughs) And I realized in that moment that in all reality, I had the only option that I had was to get up and leave the room and not allow that situation to, to go in the direction that it was about to head into. And I remember, you know, kind of getting up and open the door and going downstairs, you know, with my friends and, and making sure for the rest of the night that I wasn't alone with her. And as I look back, I mean, years now, as I look back on that story, you know, it's, it's funny and humorous and that kind of stuff, but man, you know, th- there was, there was a, a lot of mess that I was about to get into. And I'm able to look back on that situation and I'm thankful that I ran. I mean, what, what value would there have been for me to have sex with a girl that I have not spoken to since, and I can't even pronounce her name? And in our culture, that becomes, you know, especially sometimes for us guys, that becomes a badge of honor. Like, yeah, I don't even remember her or, you know, whatever. But, we, you know, we ended up doing things with certain people, and that becomes like a, something that we brag about. What value is there in that for me? I mean, now I'm thankful that I've got a wife who's a hundred times hotter than, than that girl was. And that, you know, that girl doesn't hold a candle in comparison to, to my wife now. And the fact that I look back and realize, you know what, that doesn't, that d- didn't impact my future marriage. I, mean, I, I made a decision in that moment to run. And it saved me from a mess that I would still remember to this day. And it would have impacted my marriage now. I mean, I'm, I look back and I'm thankful that, that wasn't worth pulling me back into that life that Jesus had freed me from and impacting future relationships and a future marriage. And that I was able to keep my focus on what God wanted for me. As we close tonight, I want to ask, ask you guys this question. What voices do you choose to listen to when it comes to this issue? 
there are a lot of voices that you could choose to, to listen to in our culture that are going to tell you the answers to the questions that you might have that are, that are very specific about what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And there are also other voices, and they often seem smaller in number, but they're leading you to truth. And they're leading you away from a lot of pain and a lot of potential heartache and leading you to, to do it the way that God has designed for it to be done. That it might, this road over here might lead to temporary satisfaction. And it might be good for a season. But what Jesus promise us, promises us is to lead us into life in all of its fullness. I know there are some of, of us, for, you know, for every one story of what I just told, there are maybe a lot more stories of maybe some of you in the room that are saying, man, you know, I've, I've made mistakes. Man, I, I've allowed you know, decisions or, or you know, this, this whole issue to lead me down a path that I never really intended to go down, but yet here I am. Maybe I've, I've, I've listened to those outside voices. I've listened to my friends or I've listened to what the culture is saying. And... And now, is it too late? Is it, I mean, does it really matter now? Because I've already gone down that road. The incredible thing about who Jesus is and what we sang about so earlier is that God's grace is sufficient. That Jesus promises us that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And that it's not too late for any of us in the room to turn the car around and to make clear decisions about what am I going to value? Who am I going to choose to listen to? Am I going to allow these voices that might lead to potential pain and heartache? Or am I going to allow Jesus to lead me into life in all its fullness? Sexiosity becomes dangerous when it leads us away from the fullness that only Jesus can offer. And I pray that we would allow Jesus to lead us into fullness of life. Knowing that there is better things ahead, what God has created for us to experience. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your truth. God, I thank you that I'm, it's not just me up here giving some advice or some opinions to these students about how they should live or what they should prioritize or who sh they should listen to or what sex really could be. And it's just my own opinions or my own advice. But God, that you lead us into all truth. God, that where the enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, you have come to give us life in all its fullness. God, I'm heartbroken when I see students or adults or all of us in, in different areas, not just in this area, who were led, led, us, led off track or away from the life that you've created for us to live. God, I know that this issue in this area of sex, God, is such a, a big deal. It's such a hard thing for us 
to be able to choose to live the way that you've called us to live. God, I pray that you would give us the strength to choose to do it your way and that we would experience the fullness of life in every area that you offer us. God, we pray in Jesus' name.